you guys doing, man? How are you? Yeah. Glad no, to good. be on the avoid, show. Yeah, I'm going to avoid any, any puns about any of your songs, you know, to introduce you guys. So <laughs> yeah. being, a, being a dad and a grandfather, I, you know, I'm kind of pulled into that. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, basically, David and Chris uh, were from Austin and mm -hmm. uh, they moved out. Uh, Chris moved out before David out to L.A. because the pole scene was happening. Um, and uh, once Chris got out, he was, you know, feeling out musicians. And at that point, it wasn't Junkyard. It was just Chris Gates, you know, basically calling on all the old punk bands. And, and because at that point, all the punk bands had broken up in L.A. and everybody was going to rock. They saw the writing on the wall, which was basically, you know, money and better looking girls. So uh, so basically, I think like uh, 86, 87, uh, David uh, moved out from Austin along with... Uh, his band, which was Johnny Hell, which was the drummer, and uh, Max Gottlieb, who was a guitar player, and they had a band called the Torpedoes. So once they once they moved out here, they just Chris said, "Well, let's just all play together and uh, change the name of the band to the Junkyard." And at that point, they were just a cover band. And uh, I got in the band basically six or seven months after they started. I was in other bands and and whatnot, but uh, I had known Chris for many years. Through the whole punk rock community and uh so basically yeah right around 87 88 we started playing around more writing more original material and uh back then it was uh you know whether you knew it or not you were playing in front of you know 50 60 people in a very tiny little room probably about the size of this mm -hmm. out of those 50 or 60 people you got five or six a and r people that are out there to scout because they had just signed you know at that point i think tim correct me if i'm wrong did jet boy get signed before guns and roses or right at the same time i mean they all there was those jet boy faster and and gnr all got signed i think gnr was probably yeah, the first yeah it was interesting because we when we got picked up uh basically we got picked up by uh, we we did a bunch of shows we got a lot of business cards and uh the first guy that gave us the business card where we called him and he actually called us back was uh was the guy uh, mio vukovic from geffen records who at that mm -hmm. point his um his boss was Teresa Ensenot, who was the assistant to Tom Zutout. So at that point, she was basically, uh, she had just married or got together, was going to get married to Steve Earle. So she was on her way out of Geffen on to, uh, going over to Universal Music, basically to kind of handle Steve stuff as well as uh, all the country music stuff. So um, we ended up getting passed down to a brand new A&R guy, which is good because, you know, he's young and he's hungry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but the, the, uh, the, his, the, the band that we opened up for, which was Jane's Addiction, he was actually down there to see them <laughs> as well as the opening act, which was Green River, who we all know turned into Pearl Jam or Brother Love Bone Pearl Jam, more artist orientated where the guy wasn't going to get, it wasn't going to get into our shit. He was just pretty much going to leave us alone. He was a big fan of all of our other punk rock bands. So he knew that we were, basically a little more seasoned than like a brand new band that was coming in because we all had tour experiences we all booked our own tours we all put out our own uh independent uh uh punk rock releases that actually did well so we knew how to do the business aspect of it and uh that at that point when we signed guns we were guns and roses were not great they were not in a great position i think uh they released the first single and i'm very i'm not really familiar on their history from like say 87 to 89 but uh i just remember when we got picked up they we didn't get picked up uh because they were doing so well you know it wasn't like oh guns N' roses are doing great we got to sign yeah, 20 more of myth. those that's a myth a lot of people say oh because guns N' roses was so big i'm like 
Uh, no, they, they weren't. For a long time. They were big on yeah. the scene, but I recall thinking at the time, Faster Pussycats were style made a much bigger noise than Appetite for the first eight months. I mean, people are like, wow, it's yeah. going to be Pussycat that's going to do the best. Yeah. You know, okay. it's like, okay, yeah. well, Guns N' Roses is going to be this kind of more off the side boutique because people thought they were just too mm-hmm. weird. They were too much to handle also, yeah. Yeah, it's a big myth that, you know, especially with Junkyard, that they were signed because of Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses was not a success yet, so. I just think it was a t-shirt and the hype. You know, which well, the T-shirt, the T-shirt didn't hurt. The the story about the T-shirt was basically um, the guy who now owns Cleopatra Records, Brian Pereira. At that point, he was running a, uh, a T-shirt place, a silk trimming place. So we went in there and we were like, dude, you know, we want to make just some shirts and give them away. And we made about probably sixty or seventy shirts. And every time we played or went out, we would just give them away to people. So uh, I think. Axel got his shirt, I think, at the same show that you were at, Tim, uh, yeah. at, that Tim's band actually opened up for us. And we were just giving away shirts. It's like, fuck it, you know? I got one, yeah. Yeah, what better way to promote? <laughs> you know, it's like, fuck flyers, here's a shirt. And yeah. uh, at that point... Well, it paid off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We were also, uh, other bands that we were in prior to Junkyard and Junkyard, we, we were kind of, we were friendly with... Um, with all the guys in Guns N' Roses, because at that point we had all come up and been in different bands. So finally when Junkyard kind of became this thing and they would come and see us and they were like, oh, this band's, you know, kind of, I like this band, it's interesting. It's not like all their other bands, you know, they finally got it together and, you know, figured out a good lineup. But uh, that's kind of the 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 whole Junkyard t-shirt uh, thing or whatever. And also the reason why it says it three times, uh, people are saying, you know, did you, did you nick it for like the cheap trick idea or whatever? <clears throat> what happened was on the uh, silk screen, we, it was just supposed to be the line across in Junkyard once. And we kind of looked at it. It was like, yeah, I put another one on. I put another one on. It, was a, it wasn't like a conscious decision going in. We're going to bite, you know, we're going right. to, we actually didn't have a design. Idea. I think one thing that's been through Junkyard's entire career, there's never been a grand plan. Like the no, best stuff never. we've ever done has just kind of happened. And yeah. we're, you know, the more we get out of our own way, the better off we are. So logos, everything is everything, yeah. kind of in the now and, you know, not a lot of forethought, if that makes any sense. No, which no. is good, actually. Yeah, we're not sitting around looking at spreadsheets going, okay, well, this demographic needs this and this needs that. It's like, nah, it'll just, you know, if it if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. If not, whatever, you know, it's uh, not a big deal. <laughs> Back then, the main songwriter and the singer being from the same town. Um, and then all, you know, when we all five got together, um, originally, you know, it was a lot of that, that Southern stuff that we were playing, because that's what we were into at the time, which was, it seemed like the logical progression. We were we were done with punk rock playing a million miles an hour. Then we kind of like went back into our old records that we kind of threw away because we were punk rock, which was Aerosmith, Ted, Ted Nugent, Skinner. So we kind of went backwards a bit and then started listening to that and then kind of threw our own little punk rock kink in it to kind of give it that Southern uh, bite, I guess. I don't know. You know, the first two records, they were great. I mean, we were, we were, we were young in age, uh, but, uh, and we were a brand new band. So the first record obviously just came out like piss and vinegar second record, you know, sophomore slump, so to say, but there are some good songs on that. But as we fast forward to like right now, we're like, we're kind we're so grown up in the way that, uh, the lyrics are done and the way the music is written 
but we're still like had Tim mentioned, we still have that same, um, you know, that same attitude where it's like, well, you know, if it's good enough, it'll work. If not, we're not going to put like that much effort into something to make it work. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But uh, I mean, with Tim's songwriting, it's just, it's really, we've matured, I guess, if you want to, for lack of a better word. You know, it was a great template initially founded by the band. And so when you have that kind of footing, you know where you can, when you're going wrong and when you're mm -hmm. going right, it feels good. And we're not trying to recreate what was done earlier because you can't, we can't rewrite nah. blues. Like it's there, you have that. But what does the guy who's now in his fifties who wrote blues talk about, you know? Yeah, and right. maybe we're unique in that, that we're not, but the band has always been People relate to David in those songs so much because they were really honest of the time. Mm -hmm. Like everything in those songs is true. Yeah. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. And so when we kind of approach stuff now, we don't, you know, we don't talk about, you know, uh, life insurance, mind you, but, you know, we can talk <laughs> about the perils. That's what you guys of, need is a good life insurance song. Right? You know, yeah, right. We do, we do <laughs> talk about things, <laughs> especially coming back with high water, there was a big gap. So we had, you know, yeah. David had reserves and we had things to talk about, like big life stuff that occurred to all yeah. of us in that period of time without writing. So it was pretty fertile ground. And I think people related to that too, because our fans are aging with us, hopefully. And hopefully the young folks just get it because they like it. And it's honest. I think people always appreciate honest music. So yeah, that's the, that's why it's always, you know, the, the initial concept of the band was rooted in such a good, good thing. And we have a great singer that also, you know, covers a multitude of sins, you know? And, um, so I think that's part of it too. I don't think we, um, you know, like you were saying, we don't sit there and we spend a lot of time writing, but we don't overanalyze ourselves in that other than going, this works for us. We feel good, but then we're very confident, but we don't sit there and go, well, you know, and hands off, we did this. We should do that again. We never do that. Right. We never yeah, do we that. Do, but we, we can initially, initially play a song and go, this is, this is us. Like we can feel it pretty quickly. Like this feels good for us. And it's our limitations as players and all these other things that make the sound and we can lock into it. And, you know, and it allows us to go forward well, because I'm really obsessed with not repeating and doing the same thing over and over again. I get really bored easily. And mm -hmm. so maybe some of our fans don't like that part, but I think it's <laughs> crucial that we keep trying to move the ball forward, even if it's, only increments that we can see right you now but i see the progression all the time and i so how skinny is the first album was 89 right pat right first yeah. album 89 second album 91, 91. uh yeah the aborted third album was recorded in 92 ish yes what was that and one then, then there was a gap with a couple little weirdnesses in there and then we put out a single faded in 15 mm -hmm. that and then that led into the album high water which came out mm -hmm. in 17 17 and then a year or so ago, we went back and circled back on the unreleased third album and kind of packaged that and put that out. So okay. that's why. But what's really great, a lot of bands actually lately have been kicking, having coming out with their classics, their big albums, are coming out with albums that are just as strong. Right. And, and you know, from, from this genre, which is fantastic because it's like no one's gone anywhere and these albums, and you guys are just coming out so, so strong. And the pressure's on well, now because we did know that those albums are considered classics by some, you know, by a lot of people. And so 
you know, with high water, we, we were very, very circumspect about the quality. We knew it had to be really good from stem yeah. to stern or else people were going to go, eh, you know, they had it, but you know, and then the fact that it was received even better than we can imagine. And some people think it's our best album. So that's to me was a miracle. Like we, yeah. I was hoping like, at least it'll be considered in the same rank or even, or not being too much of a letdown from this first two. It's hard to rank it out. And we were able to do maybe to some people even surpass. So that that's, yeah. it was beyond our expectation. Yeah, obviously it's hard for me to be like, yeah, you guys wrote this album. So let me give you my opinion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let me not insult you guys. Yeah, I'm right. also not a big boy that's going to kiss your butt either. I'm not going to be like, either, or, or insult no. you. Right. But I mean, honestly, it's, and it's, you're not the only band of a couple of the bands that albums are so strong right now. It's so fantastic to hear. So good. Yeah. And the old habits that was, there was, there's been bootlegs of that floating out there. And yeah. we called that down to 11. Those were the 11 that we thought were good, the best. Yeah. And it, and actually that's when I came into the band, I started writing yeah. for the band on that album, which was going to be that album. I think there's even discussions about me maybe playing acoustic guitar and keyboards and singing on tour and stuff. There was all kinds of talk, but in essence, we were, I helped, I was bought in or, I mean, it wasn't really brought in. We all basically lived in each other's pockets for years. And so I'd be sitting around and David and we'd write. And so, and I'd write with Chris and I'd write with Brian, I'd write with Mm -hmm. whoever. And that was the beginnings of that and my more formal involvement, but then really, but mostly just as a songwriter. And one of the songs on there, Try and True, was just a song mm-hmm. from my old band, Broken Glass. That was a song we had, that was a latter song of ours that was written after our album. And then we got dropped and it was, we shopped trying to get a new deal. That was one of the songs that we shopped to get a deal and no one would touch us. So um, with that fucking song. And so, junk, uh, you know, David and especially Brian were like, well, we're taking that one. And so they took yeah. it. <laughs> and just did it and i was thrilled and that sort of began it also too like well come on and you know you're not doing anything help us write you know right <laughs> and so that and when we did old habits we basically sent the whole thing to everybody in the band yeah. and said come up with 11 and we came down to almost the exact same song maybe one or two songs different so it was a yeah. pretty good consensus there's always going to be people say like oh you left off this left off that but like I said, you know, we're kind of sticklers for quality over quantity. I hadn't heard yeah. it, so like to me, I just heard this. Oh, so it's like, oh okay, yeah, good. fresh new album for you then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, most it is. Yeah, up, you know, and it's great because Brian and Chris are on that. That's the, the original lineup there, you know, and, and yeah. actually Todd's on bass there too. That's the yeah, the, the first thing Todd recorded with the band too. So, yeah, it's a good. The band's on fire there. I didn't play on it. I, I played a little bit. I think, but you were there. I, mean, I you were there. I mean, I was in the studio every day while it was I, being now. God, man, this is the yeah. old days. You're doing 24 track demos. <laughs> demos. <laughs> Out of are you serious? Yeah. Studio. Those are 24 track, two inch demos. Yeah. And they sound better in most records today. So yeah. <laughs> those were close. Those were just the demos, and then you'd go and re-record it with a produce a proper producer, but. We brought in, I remember because I was in a band with this guy, Rob, and he had moved out mm-hmm. to LA and he'd become a, started to work, he quit being in bands and started working the record player. Yeah. And he eventually became a producer. And he, we, I said, you should get Rob. He's from DC. It's a thing, you know, because there's a lot of DC and Junkyard too, because of Brian. Yeah. Yeah. We got Rob in. Rob is Rob Schnaff. We ended up discovering Beck and producing all kinds of people, the new X album actually. Yeah. And he's still a big, but that was his first like real gig was a producer. And that was sort of a, from the DC, me and him having being in a band. And I said, give Rob a shot. Cause he's, yeah. he's he was up for it. 
And uh, I think he ended up doing like to uh, producing a, a poison live record, like producing and mixing a poison. That really kind he of did, got yeah. going too. But um, anyway, so that was uh, so I was involved in a lot of the, the, that period, and then it all just went to shit as things yeah. tend to. And uh, yeah. and then we didn't we didn't touch new songs for a really long time, really, yeah. really until twenty thirteen or something like that. Yeah. you know, twenty fourteen. Yeah, so. You guys had a. You guys did have a lull for a little while. Yeah, yeah. We uh, the it basically when we got dropped from Geffen, that was like ninety. I think it was late ninety two or ninety three. Uh, all of us went our separate ways for seven or eight years. And when we got dropped, it wasn't. Um, you know, we got the one page. You know, release from Geffen rather than the. You know, our contract was like this big, and then our release was like, "Here's a piece of paper, sign it, get out of here." Uh, after that, uh, we just Kevin had a big dumpster, uh, a big dumpster sale with all, everybody at the big uh, at the end yeah. there. <laughs> so he we and I uh, went to so many bands. Oh God, yeah. So we um, at that point, you know, we got dropped and we we all had to meet down at the rehearsal studio to grab our shit. And it was like, okay, well, what are you going to do? It's like I don't know. I got to get my shit together. So um, basically, at that point, we never even said to each other like, oh, that's it, the band's over or anything. We were just like, well, we got to grow up now. We got to figure out what to do. We need a we need a job. We need money. And uh, so we, so Chris, you know, went his way and David went his way. Me and Tim played in a band together that actually got picked up by MCA. And um, then we got, you know, the typical Spinal Tap thing came in. I think it was 1999 uh, or 2000. Uh, Like, do you guys want to, A, open up for the Super Suckers at the House of Blues? Do you guys want to get back together? And do you also want to go to Japan? And it was like, what? Okay. You know, we had not, we'd, we'd, we'd speak to each other back then, you know, calling in and checking in on each other, but we never had, you know, we never thought about like, let's get back together. Cause back then it was like, you know, we have we had other things to do, but uh, vacation with guitars for you guys, right? Go to Japan. Oh, awesome. at that point. Oh, we, we jumped on it. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, I don't really care what happens. <laughs> it's like all expenses paid. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So we did that. And, um, the Super Suckers uh, opening up for them at the House of Blues in uh, L.A. That was that helped out a cool. lot. That's pretty cool. And at that point, we kind of looked at each other. It's like, well, you know, and I was with another band that was touring Europe a lot called Speed Buggy. And I had connections to uh, a promoter that was doing a festival in the south of Spain. So I hit him up. I, I did the festival in 2002. And I said, hey, do you want Junkyard? And he's like, I, yeah, sure. Would Junkyard like to headline the second day of the festival? And we're like, I'm like, uh, headline? I'm like, well. Uh, I don't know about that, but yeah, we're you know <laughs> we'll think about that. it. Like we're I don't think we're that big, but uh, we uh, I I basically brokered a really good price and we flew in and uh, we almost headlined, but we basically played right below what was it, Twisted Sister or something like that. Yeah. And that was 2003, so we were at that point when I when I did that festival, I'm like we could probably do more of these every year if you guys want. So at that point, it became where are we going on our summer vacation? You know, and I would spend about six months and book some, you know, try to book something. And uh, there was a couple of years where there were lulls where we didn't do anything, but we did get back together and play like, you know, 04, 05, 06, 07, 08. We play one or two shows in LA. And uh, in 2008, this we went when back. this, I started playing in 99 cause Brian was already 99 yeah. religion at this point. So right. Oh, that's right. Cause Brian left the band. That's when you yeah, came in. So he's like, well, I can't do it. So you, right. do, you do it. And that's how that happened. And then Brian sort of came back when we started working on High Water because Chris had stepped out and he kind right. of moved back. So, so I, it seems kind of strange. But then Brian, yeah, so Brian was involved. So Brian was doing shows with us occasionally too. 
Yeah, would, and the, you know, he would do them. Except Europe, we would kind of have like you know, um, we did most a bunch with Chris and then yeah. Brian, and then we started when Brian came back, and that's yeah. what kind of the idea of doing. I have a question. Really, kind of hold this thought for a second. So uh-huh. you came in, you took, you were taking over Brian's spot on guitar. Yes. So you learned his, you played, and you were doing it for a long time. So when he came yeah, back, I started on Brian's parts. Did you, did you keep and playing it with Chris your left, part now? I got to go to Chris's parts. Okay, right. so I was wondering who, who kept which part. Like, you're like, no, it's mine now. You left it. Like, can you get it from a chair? You're like, yeah, no, I'm supposed to, or, or, you know, shotgun. I was right. thrilled to have someone else come in and play Brian's parts because they were hard. You know, he played, yeah, he, he's much more flash than me. I like playing rhythm guitar. We all want to be Malcolm in this band. It was a fun, it was, yeah, it was a fun question because I love when, how, how the dynamic, you know what I mean? No, I was, I was thrilled when we got Jimmy in. I'm like, you got to take oh. all those fucking solos, man. I'm going back to Chris's parts. I can play yeah. those fucking things. So, and, uh, but then Brian played on the record too, a ton. Yeah. So then he just had a whole bunch of new Flash solos, which are all great, but yeah. it should, I mean, I didn't play one solo on High Water, I don't think, you know. I, I don't, think he did one. I did one little, I do little bits and bobs, little but bits it doesn't pieces, really interest yeah. me, you know, right. I have to be honest. I, <laughs> I dread when I have a solo to play live, I'm like, ugh, <laughs> concentrate, you know, the focus. I'd rather have a beer. Focus, <laughs> you know, like, ugh, you know what I mean? I, I, anyway, just I'm glad you guys have got your second energy. So at that point, you guys really pick up speed to where yeah. we almost are now. It was fits and starts, yeah. you know, and then when we kind of decided to really do we approached by a label-ish, you know, which actually seemed pretty yeah. legit. And I'm like, well, let's get in a room and see if we can make, write something. And so we came, David and, and Brian, Brian would come in town with and do a Bad Religion record and basically move into my house because he didn't want to stay in a hotel. So he'd be here for like, I don't know, two or three months. Yeah. So we became like roommates again in our 40s, which is kind of bizarre but um, awkward i would say awkward myself but right <laughs> you know i was single at the time and he was in a band so um right. the rock and roll odd couple that's like a, a, a vh1 Believe show they should have a camera we've, on you guys we've lived together on and off since our mid-20s Forever, so yeah. you know it was it's pretty seamless you know um and so we would just we would start we started writing and um and then brian would send me little like little you know uh iphone things and he, he'd play into his phone in his dress in his hotel on tour like just literally guitar into the thing and yeah that's how like faded came around that was the thing on he would send me these like brian one and i go oh that's interesting and it would just maybe be a riff and then he would come back in town i'd say this was cool and i'd sort of begin to construct it i said i took this part out and made it just this and and so, and then David came down, would come down and when he had time and he would, we'd sit there in my little studio and just bang it out. And then, so the first, the first two or three songs, one of them was faded and David had the river, which was the B side. And we had one other song that ended up making the album that was floating, but it wasn't really cohesive enough. Mm-hmm. And we went into a rehearsal room and knocked them up in an evening and then went down yeah. and cut them at this Hurley studio there. Cause Brian had a connection through bad religion over a weekend and what we cut the the a we cut the single with faded yeah. and, and the river and we made the video and we yeah, yeah. i mean i don't know if we thought you know and then that we, deal kind of fell apart but we still yeah. just continued on just being the way we are just like well we're here yeah and then the song people love the fucking song i mean i we were kind of shocked by that you know like wow the song you know you don't know and um so then we got more momentum and so it's like okay 
we, we, I reached out to acetate just personally. I, it turns out I, I had known Rick forever, but I didn't, the guy who owns acetate I'd known, but I don't, you know, the old days are really fucking hazy for me. So, okay. Yeah. And, uh, he, uh, I sent him an email through the app, through the acetate webpage. I'm like, hi, I'm Tim of junkyard. This is my, these are the three new junkyard songs we've written. Would you like to make an album with us? And he called me back. Like, like, he called me. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, let's make a fucking album. And that's how we got a record deal. I swear to God. So, and uh, so then we really began in earnest trying to write the rest of what was going to be high water. And so there had been songs percolating for months, but then it kind of, we really kicked it up a notch and David had some things in pocket that he'd been, you know, wanted to do for years. And so is he, now is David doing the, all the lyrics, like how's the song structure for you guys? David up, like really, really ad hoc. Um, sometimes he's got the whole thing, period. Like a song like Styrofoam Cup off the new album. He sang that to me. That's right. And yeah. I played the chords underneath him. So I figured out what he was doing. Right? He doesn't play any guitar or any cowboy cards or anything. I know sometimes. No, he can't even do that. He kind of, and he'd go, no, no, a little faster here. Or he'll, you know, kind of direct. But so, and while it was like that on the album, he had that song. And um, sometimes he might have even demoed him in other bands. A couple were even older like that. And uh, but some he just had. And Styrofoam Cup, I remember specifically. And he's like, I'm thinking kind of like a Joe Walshy Stones thing. I'm like, okay. And we just kind of would just bang it out and then some songs like faded brian and i put together the music and he came in and says i have this thing faded kids say it's about getting stoned now i'm like oh, okay news to me <laughs> and uh and then some other things like cut from the same cloth i think i wrote the chorus and todd wrote that basic riff and then i said i had this idea for a song about you know being cut from you know about your parents and how that and you know like, oh okay and then you know he takes it to his other place and so it really varies. Hell or High Water off that album. Brian had the chorus lyrics and kind of the melody. And I, we both went it's very away. very cohesive. The lyrics don't feel like it's a different, it feels like it's yeah, one line. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really interesting one because he had the yeah. chorus lyrics and I we kind of banged out a demo. And we, I banged out a demo, gave it some kind of mm-hmm. structure, but it was really just Brian kind of humming going, Hell or High Water. And I said, and okay, David, here's the chorus. Go away and, and let's meet up in a week and see what we got. And so we yeah. just... I wrote I wrote two or three verses. He wrote a couple of verses, and the song is first verse is mine, second verse is his. We just go, oh, these both were because we for some reason we both picked up on the vibe of it. This kind of you know uh, apocalyptic sort of you know with with Sound. plenty of you know biblical references ish, and you know so I literally his the second verse is all him. We didn't change the word. The first verse was all me, and we had never seen each other's verses till we showed up to sing the fucking thing. Oh, really? So, yeah. So we had like things. I go, well, my work's good here, and we'll just put yours as the second. This kind of works pretty good. And that was that sounds like how Frank Zappa used to put his albums together, right? His songs, he cut this part here, and he put it here, and take a live piece here, and it all works. Well, the rule, the good, the best thing I've learned in my job is that you can't have rules about how things go. You know, like yeah. whatever gets you to where you got to go, that's what you'll know it. You know. And we're able to be cohesive because we have these 30 plus years of literally being in each other's pockets and experiencing mm-hmm. so much of life together, the, a lot of the shittier shit too. And but you realize it, how special it is that too, right? The song yeah. art like that. I think I so, love yeah. to ask fans yeah. that, how I they do it. Really, it's not always this easy. I mean, we did that on way back on that unreleased third album, which became, I mean, that's how it would be, you know, I, yeah. you know, I'd kind of sit around and spit out lyrics or ideas and, 
there's even a lyric on the new album of of high water that on the hellbound and oh, yeah. it was that you know she was working in a topless place stopped in for a beer that whole bit like she likes to shake it to the crew they don't play bob dylan here mm-hmm. i had written that as a couplet and given it to david back when we were doing the third album and he had saved it for all these years and God. came back and says i'd always love this let's do this because it's a funny little nod to dylan and back yeah. again you know because that is a cop from dylan but it's a mention of it i hadn't really i, I wrote that he's like absolutely i remember <laughs> I said, okay and so that's how that started. Like, you're welcome. And we backfilled from there. Like, it became the second verse. But then we had Baker giving me that basic riff. And I had constructed a chorus around it. You know, that riff was a little bit different. And I kind of constructed that. And then he came in and says, I have this thing. Remember you said mm-hmm. this in 92? I'm like, no, but okay. <laughs> nope. So it, it really is pulled from all over. So sometimes it'll be a line that somebody has. It's just a spurring line. And then we yeah. will, maybe me and David will trade while we're sitting there, like just kind of like spit. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy because there are some bands that, you know, the, say the guitar player wrote and then like their next album, the rest of the band wanted to write with them, you know, and this mm-hmm. is true. The album yeah. changed. The sound totally changed the band. It wasn't the same band right. that everybody fell in love with because, you know, he let other people work with them. Right. Not because he didn't want to, but sometimes a band has a certain sound by like one person writing and one person does the lyrics and that. A lot That's of time. Yeah. You guys have a special thing where it's like it's like a conglomerate where everyone's just kind of working together and it's one mind. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's we're lucky. I think part yeah. of it is like I said, the template is really strong. What was the foundation of the band was so strong that we have a really good lingua franco. We have a good common language that mm-hmm. we all pull from that we know these are the sources that are kind of what we want this band to be. Right. You know, and so and there are things that we throw in that aren't part of that, that we sometimes let them slip through. And a lot of people don't even notice that we're doing. I it. think because of yeah. David's voice, it, 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 it came out with a certain sound. It gives you guys a little bit more stretching room. As yeah. long as his voice is there. Yeah. They're like, it's, it's junkyard. Exactly I mean, right. unfortunately, probably if David, anything else would be like, it's David. Oh, it's junkyard or is it, oh, it's junkyard. Like he's, he's attached to it more than probably anybody. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. so identifiable that once yeah. he's on it, it can become that voice is the only voice yeah. out there that sounds like him. You know, I mean, yeah. we've always say, I mean, you know, we used to laugh that we serve at the pleasure of the David Roach because in Spain, <laughs> they call him the David Roach, you know, yeah. <laughs> we always just laugh, but you know, this is, you know, he's the show and yeah. we, this, these records are kind of produced. The whole thing is sort of created to kind of give him a, a good platform Stage. because if he's not up there believing it, no one's going to fucking believe it and no one's right. going to see it and no one's going to buy the fucking record. So yeah. if, if it's not ringing true with David quickly, mm-hmm. we're off it pretty fast. It's yeah, got a lot I, of effect with him, you know? I do think that a band is the sum of all its parts. So as great as you have, I always use the word satellite, pulling one person into the band or one album or one hit single, mm-hmm. once you're there, there's, the band's there. Like he couldn't be who he is without the band. So there's the whole the whole right. well, I've, 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 I've always said like you know you could probably hire guys and go out and do it without us and he's like you're fucking crazy i'd never do you know he, he realizes that there is a thing to it as well that he couldn't do it without us obviously so we there's never any like issue about I, I mean, no i don't mean that i mean you saying that i wouldn't be mad at him i understand people have yeah, to, you know what i mean but he doesn't want to do it like that his integrity level is that this is it's got to be this core thing or else it's yeah. never going to work. And he can't. I think he also realized the creative. 
the same respect for you guys. So I think there's a whole process. There's a lot more to the. Just I think so. Yeah, I th I think so too. I mean, I think it's you know you're lucky to work with a singer who has you know brings so much to the table, you know, and you can really write things for him or with him in mind that you know will suit him. Like you know, it's like a jacket you can put on a junkyard vest. He's like, like the driver. If you guys are the wheels and take a take a wheel or two off, you're not going anywhere. He knows yeah. that. You drive by, I know the driver's there, but. You know, huh? That's true. And I think that's why, you know, people say like when Jimmy joined the band or whatever, you know, we, it's, we don't pull from like, you have to have been there. Like we're not a band that could yeah. really do well with some young guy who probably could outplay all of us and knows our records backwards and forwards. But it, the, the common, you know, stuff like Jimmy having been in the, you know, being in rocks of the angels and then now hadn't been in the hangman for a long while and comatones and all that stuff. It was really important that we find someone who, when we made these references about these obscure, weird things at white trash and Gogo, like, I remember that night. And that's mm -hmm. really hard. There's only a, a couple hundred of these people on the planet. Yeah. And most of them are in either LA guns, guns and roses, faster. Pursuit. You know I mean? There, there aren't a lot of yeah. these guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we have a very specific thing where you can say, you know, that second text in the horse heads album, most people are like, what? Yeah. You know, but Jimmy was that. And so we have a lot of that. So when we start talking about, when we have, when we have musical shorthand that is just, you can't replace no. easily. And so mm -hmm. we don't take that for granted either, you know? And, uh, you know, so like and circling back to the writing, there's really no set pattern. And I think David often is laughs because people come up to him and, you know, I've been, I've seen people with tattoos of lyrics on their arms from a junkyard yeah. song. He goes, David, this is my favorite lyric of all time. And he, and he just goes, oh, Tim wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just does he doesn't, he doesn't under his breath. He doesn't tell the guy. Yeah, you right. Know, like, like, point point like, like, oh, that guy over there. I go, it is pretty good. You know, that is yeah. pretty good. <laughs> Your better ones. You know, and David's off, oh. always says that, you know, he's very quick to give credit. He's not, he doesn't hog credit, but it no, does happen. But that's okay. It's funny. If yeah. someone's moved to put anything with the band on their person, whether it's a t-shirt or a tattoo or a patch, that speaks to all of us, you know, yeah. it wouldn't have been delivered right if Pat wasn't playing on it. It wouldn't be right. You know, the, we got to have the Monrovia swing of Pat and Todd. Right. And, <laughs> you know, it's all the thing. So just because the word is the only thing that could get written, it doesn't mean that word it would have any meaning if it didn't have the underpinnings of what this is. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. And I, so I, no I one. So I, I never take it as like, oh, look at me. It's it's not a look yeah. at me, man. It's a look at David, man. And yeah. he knows that the. By he sees those things and realizes, like, yeah, it's, it's all of us. So it's a sum of yeah. parts in a in a really big way. I think probably more than we ever realize, you know. Right. We're we're also the type of band. I mean, we're you hear all these bands, you know, they go through members, they have drama, this and that, and it's like, you know, we don't we don't do that. We just, you know, we're 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 five guys. We're adults. We don't argue about any band business or any of that shit. It's I think the only argument we have maybe is like, you know sports related or something jesus <laughs> i think a good thing we have is that people really respect each other's various abilities what they um, bring to the table and so let's say if i just say for me it's like i really think this song needs to do a b c and d and i don't really know how to explain it most people go like okay you say that that's it and, and right. pat deals with so much of our technical and all the other business side he's like we should be doing a b c and d for whatever yeah. this merching thing i'm like okay there you go yeah. we don't and 
Todd is our visual. Is like, this visual sucks. We need to look at A, B, C, and D. And I always step back and go, you go. And that's yeah, just exactly. the way it is. You know, we have to, we, it's not like we delegate, but we've come to know that we each fulfill a certain role in all are aspects. You guys, are you saying you're mature? Are you guys saying Junkyard is mature? <laughs> Basically. Careful well, now. It's a secret just between us. Are you guys mature now? Probably I more think, mature. I think we're also lazy enough to like staying in our own lanes because we feel yeah. comfortable there. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, it sounds like maturity. That, you have books behind you. I don't, I don't know, know that. You, you do that. You know, I mean, so there is some of that. Like, I don't want to look like a fool and stick my neck out and not know what the fuck I'm talking about, which, you know, would happen yeah. a lot of these so, I know my way around the song. I'll say that. Yeah, right. Everything else, you know. It, it's really good to hear that you guys have such a, a, a team. Beer, yeah, you know, it's a good team. It's, 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 it's good. And, and it really, you guys, you look at your history, there really hasn't been a lot of member change. I know recently I somebody... Not, you know, it feels lost. like a lot, but right. I guess not. No. It's not really... Trust yeah, I've, it's only a few, I think three, maybe. Three or yeah. four total, yeah. you know. And unfortunately, lot, we lost we lost one of them. Uh, yeah, I was sad uh, to hear that. Car accident, yeah. That so was uh, just kind of out of the blue. You know, we, the, we had actually uh, touched base back with him. He sat in with us in uh, 2016. Which was yeah. kind of cool, but it was, that was you know, great because I had never gotten a chance yeah. to play with them before. Yeah, I mean, I'd known them forever, but right, you yeah. know, I'd never sat to in with the band or anything. But and, and he got up into Texas with us, and yeah, he was great. And he was he was on my side, and he was grinning. He came up after me, like, <laughs> yeah, I like all that shit you put. I mean, Clay was a character beyond yeah. all characters. I yeah. mean, if you if you really. I mean, there are stories about him for days and days, and they're all fucking true. He really was, he was quiet, really, but he really, he did carry a big fucking stick. I'm telling you, he was Mm -hmm. someone you didn't fuck with, but he was a sweetheart too. He was a real interesting, he was the real deal. He was a real rock and roller, you know, he was so young, so young too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, and he, yeah. had, he had really, you know, he had his ups and downs. I don't know how much people know. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but you know, he he had really helped a lot of people in the later part of his life dealing with yeah. sobriety and all the other stuff. So, you know, it's funny. I mean, it was a lot of years intervening and you know, in between, and it was just great. He showed up there. I'm really glad. Yeah, oh, no, how great home. is that, huh? Yeah, you got that. Yeah, yeah. Was, I think for all of us, because we none of us ever saw him again. No, after oh, really? that it was it was uh, after yeah. after that he uh, moved to Hawaii and yeah, was helping Hawaii somebody out there. That, so, so, yeah. Yeah. so it was very sad, you know. But I think we were. I think when we found out, we were all really glad that that had happened, and we'd had a chance to, you know, yeah. we just sat in the dressing room and bullshit it, you know, like the old right. days. Mm-hmm. Right. That was the really fun bit as well. Just telling war stories and lying yeah. to each other. It was really uh, good. So, <laughs> very sad but you know mm-hmm. i you know as the and we all are you know heartbroken about it he was a yeah. real character a good yeah. dude yeah. oh when you're so young too i mean it's just the worst you oh, just feel God. like so much of your life and even if, even if you i hear anybody i don't even know you know what i mean and oh, it's like terrible. your heart breaks oh, oh yeah he's got, a, yeah. He's, got, you know, he's got a young daughter it's really very yeah. sad. That, oh, that breaks my heart when I and anybody. there is a gofundme that you can find through our site so if anyone feels like they want to contribute we really encourage it you know, yeah. the link will be actually, we'll put the link underneath this stuff too. Okay. Oh, and so, right yeah, you know, this has been obviously a very difficult time in a lot of ways. And it got, it gets, it's been close to home for a lot of people. A lot of, so we've yeah. we're about to put out a single that we recorded <laughs> during lockdown and, um, which sounds really good. Yeah. Um, we've been playing it live with the A side live a little bit, but we got another, we have the B sides pre rocking too. And we're sort of approaching like we did High Water, where we're going to put out a single first that will be on the record, like we did with Faded in the River, 
and then we will go in and finish up the rest of the record. So we've been writing and um, so far the record, it's actually coming along really, I mean, it's our usual glacial pace. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but it's good. And there's a yeah. couple, there's some, there's a, we have a couple, there's a handful already that are pretty well fleshed out. We need to get going, but we finally kind of um, circled in with the label and have the beginnings of a schedule for a record. Cause you know, no one knew. And if we couldn't support it, you know, we weren't really interested in, yeah, well, you know, that, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Play, yeah, well, you know, a lot so. of bands have different, totally different ways of handling this. Some of them are like, I put the album out, bands should have yeah. it now so they can listen to it. And for some people, it works. I mean, there is really no working formula for this, you know? No, some no, not at like, all. We're going to hold on to this because we want to work it on the road. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think our, our, we sell the most records when we're active and on the road because our name gets out there more. And whether <laughs> it's on festivals or doing Monsters Rock, whatever those kind of things that adds to our, you know, our profile, you know, we don't, you know, we're, we're pretty, um, uh, what's the, we're Luddites compared to a lot of younger bands in terms of uh, digital and all that stuff. And our fans still like the physical, they like the yeah. physical CD, the physical band, the physical, you know, yeah. we did that digital in the su- beginning of summer, we put out all the B sides from high water as a digital only release. And, you know, it was great because that stuff was only available for, you know, in a very small number. So we wanted people to have something, but there's still people like, when are you going to put that out as a CD, which we're actually right. talking about, but. People um, are saying CD. I'm like, when are you going to put that as an album? That's that's vital. Yeah. Yeah. You got to stop talking about CDs, everybody. I don't know. <laughs> they cover my ears. I know. It's funny. We just I, got, we got through that. Let's have records. And then they go, let's take all of our music and we're going to compress it like this. We take all the highs and lows. Right. And just, you guys like this? You like this? This is what you got now. Yep. No, oh, then it goes away. Now we're like, oh, we're liking vinyl again. We're liking vinyl again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we like vinyl too, but it's, you yeah. know, it, it, it's more complicated. Yeah. You know, it's, it's complicated. It's it costs different to sell, and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. You can get a CD pre- press at 7 Eleven almost. So, you know, it's a lot easier <laughs> than mass produce. So, um, all, we like, are that. working on a new record, you know, yep. and probably going to be aggressively getting after it in the spring and hopefully have this single out of the song Lifer in the next month or so doing art and getting once you have art you can get an actual release date because then you can lock in a pressing plant because pressing plants are are always the hamstring the days because we're doing a seven inch vinyl so okay i'll see vinyl yeah yeah good idea good idea idea. we're not doing anything without vinyl anymore the 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 digital only was just kind of as a as a stopgap because we like well you know because we really planned to have this record and beginning and have this new single out and we were going to do a summer tour supporting the Mm -hmm. single Mm-hmm. That, um, so it was kind of like, well, now what? And there you have it. So, um, like little porch performances or any like streaming things, anything that tied you over in the meantime for the fans? We've talked about more. We did yeah. a couple, you know, I'm sort of thinking there people have lost some enthusiasm for them. Am I, I don't know. I mean, um, we did an acoustic one for my living room, which was kind of fun, but, um, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough technically with those things too, you know, yeah. and, uh, so we are, um, if I, I would, if it doesn't open sooner than later, we'll probably do something just to, you know, maybe to promote, maybe when the single comes out, we'll do a, a something that'll be promoting the single yeah, to play yeah. it and the B side. And we'll do maybe some stuff we haven't done before or, you know, but, um, you know, we're still in the planning of let's, let's make a record. Let's think about when we can go back out mm-hmm. because there is some light at this tu- end of this tunnel that doesn't seem to be a train, you know? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hear talk of fall for people. I know some bands have fall tours, but, fall. you know, and 
we're talking about December. Um, you know, we're, we're, we actually finally have been talking to our agent again about what do we do? When do we play? So yeah. all these things are kind of coming into play. A lot of it has to do with the availability of vaccines and all that other stuff. And remember when they were all talking about it's going to be March? That was the, that was the industry thing. The industry's going. It's going to be March. It's going to be March. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. that's not going to be March. It's not going to be March. Well, I, no, so I no. I hesitate to say anything, you know, because <laughs> yeah, I, I had a feeling that even then that was going to be a little aggressive. But you no, know, I think it does. Maybe that's fall, crazy. Maybe, maybe. I think fall's a lot safer. Even if Fauci's saying fall, I think, I think so. Think, yeah, you know, a little more realistic. I mean, it could still go out, but I hope so. I mean, I want it to be safe for everybody too. I don't want to go out. And, I don't want to risk it for anything. I mean, you know, it's, it's not worth it. Yeah, I, I don't want to risk it for us. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. to be quite honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a lot of fun to go do a show where you're quarantined in a dressing room, and we don't play places with great dressing rooms. I'll I'll, I'll say <laughs> it well. You know, you go from your shitty motel to your rented van, to your shitty fucking dressing room. And because you can have no contact with any of the audience, really. And if we do Which, greets, they've got to be 10 feet away and we can't even, right. you know, I'd like, I mean, I realize there's still going to be probably some masking and everything for a long time, but I'd like yeah. it to have, I'd like to be able to walk from the dressing room to the bar and have a beer or maybe chat with a fan or two and it not yeah. be, feel like I'm taking my life in my own hands. Yeah, you know? I agree. I'm not that paranoid, obviously, if we're wearing masks, everything would mm-hmm. probably be fine. But, you know, and also playing small, you know, playing to 25% or 50% capacity, you know, sometimes we do that whether we like it or not. But, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I'd, call like totally to, I'd like the idea of our fans being able to heave towards the front and actually do what they usually do, which is, you know, be slightly inappropriate, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. Also, when, so you now when, you get the, when you get the low attendance, you can be like, uh, they must have COVID in this town. COVID, yeah. COVID. <laughs> the bad COVID, COVID area. Guys, big COVID Hot town. Hotspot. They got a lot of COVID here. It's like Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So yeah. Also, Sam, when you mentioned uh, the shitty uh, backstage rooms and the shitty hotels, we mean that in the most lovingly way. Don't yeah. The places that put us. I know. Up. Yeah. <laughs> that environment makes you who you are. Writes the songs. It's, it's the grit, you know. When they when they book us at the shitty oh, yeah. the they when they book us at the Motel Six, they make sure it's the best shittiest motel it's the good one. possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the good one. It's the near the airport. It's always near the airport. Yeah. Rock bar, you know, real rock and roll venues are not supposed to have great, you know, dressing Never. rooms. 930 yeah. Club, CBG, they all had yeah. terrible dressing CB- rooms. So, yeah. CBG, so it's, I'm not saying that. It's just, you know, it doesn't encourage no, covering down yeah. and hiding. Part of it's tongue in cheek and part of it's not. You know, I, I think it's, it's, but it is, you need to be around people. You can't just not. It's not feasible. It's not realistic with yeah. us as well. You know, you right. can't tell no, David not with our, to talk to yeah. people. It's just not, it's not feasible, you know? So, um, you know, we want everyone to be able to have fun. I mean, is, yeah. that's sort of the idea, you know, a little bit of fun, you know? Yeah. Not everything. Oh, is nice right. some of that. I think playing a few shows, I can see, you know, some people have done streaming, some people try concerts and they haven't worked as much, mm-hmm. you know? I know what, uh, I was just reading the other day, Dora Pesh tried the, uh, the drive-in theater thing. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. If you tried that. Yeah. I think lately I didn't catch the tail end of it, but I think she was saying it wasn't as it wasn't it was still a lot of problems with that too because oh, of the distance right. and because of that. So but she gave it a shot. I mean, you give people sure, credit for yeah. trying different things, you know. Yeah. You um, I mean we did we did the Monsters Rock thing and that was fine, but you know, you're playing to no people. Right. It's a bit sterile, you know. And it, it for us it was fun it was because good, you know it was great to play and we sound yeah, we were we we did play band in front practice. Of like, it was pretty much it was like a stylized band practice with production, but we actually did play in front of about nine people. Which yes, sometimes, right. you know, 
Sometimes we play with, you know, sometimes that's a regular gig. It goes back us. to your statement. It's like, it reminded, yeah, me, yeah. It reminded <laughs> me of the old days when we used to do showcases really for labels. You remember that, Pat? And they'd yeah, pick you yeah. into a, a fancy rehearsal studio that didn't look on, not unlike what we played at. And it would be like was that? five label guys sitting on a couch and Just you like this. set to them, oh. like your arms crossed, you know. And those, and, you know, as we all learn yeah. from the Ramones and we learn from those kind of things, like you just don't stop between songs. It's you go bam, right. bam, 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 bam. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so that wasn't really a problem for us. We don't like stop between songs anyway, unless it's absolutely fucking necessary, like a swig yeah. of a beer or we're going to pass out. But, right. you know, so that part isn't too, that we were able to, we're pretty good about getting through stuff fast, you know. Yeah. Uh, Stage banter has never been our forte. No, no. So that's your song, right? You know, exactly. We leave that to Danko Jones. He's good at shit like that. You know? Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, this has been great. I want to. I want to thank you guys. So next time, thank you. You already produced your thing. We'll have you guys back on again. Okay. You got some more Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. We got the single ready to go. We'll come. We'll find you. Yes. And we'll you know promote, where I am. We'll promote Absolutely. the shit out of it. Yeah. Well, I'll support you guys. <laughs> I want to thank you for being on the show, guys. Well, thank, thank you for having us. Thank you. Okay, thanks.